and welcome to the May 10th, 2023 Treasure Island Development Authority Board Meeting. The TIDA Board and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that will allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2592-300-5226. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted for the sake of equity. Item number one, call to order. Director Sun? Here. Director Dunlop? Here. Director Richardson? Here. Director Breston? Director Howard? Here. Supervisor, sorry, Director Azim and Supervisor Dorsey. And we do have a quorum. Okay, thank you so much and thank you all for joining us in today's meeting. And we'll just go to the next item, please. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. So are there anybody who would like to address the board on general comments? Good afternoon, commissioners. And my name is Jeff Klein. I'm a 25-year resident of Treasure Island. And I thank you for hearing my comment. Uh, which is uh, regarding a claim that's been made in the past um, and it was repeated again by Director Beck at last month's meeting that Treasure Island housing would not exist except for TIDA. Um, this is not true. And the, uh, the other claim that was made that of TIDA's acquisition, acquisition of this housing through a lease in 1999 with the United States of America. So first of all, the USA created Treasure Island. They built it. And the Navy built 1,000 over 1,000 units of housing, non-barracks housing. In anticipation of base closure under the defense uh, base closure and uh, Rehabilitation, whatever act, the DCB, DB, DBCRA, 1990. Navy did a survey of turnkey housing in the Bay Area that could be made available for public benefit. They came up with thousands of units, turnkey housing units. TIDA didn't create this housing stock. Uh, TIDA was able to enter into a master housing lease with the USA, this interim lease, under a federal law called the Base Closure Community Redevelopment and Homeless Assistance Act of 1994, which amended the DBCRA. And that's 32 CFR Part 176. The regulations are in Title 10 that govern interim leases, Title 10 U.S. Code Section 2667, and 
I'm quoting from the lease itself, the master housing lease, they're the same, same language for TIDA and Treasure Island Homeless Development Initiative, Article 4, the use of lease premise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, not sure if you rem remember me. My name is Trisha Gregory. I am a member of the San Francisco Latino and Black Builders Association. I also own a trucking company with my husband, Heavyweight Trucking. Uh, we are a micro LBE uh, trucking firm out of um, Bayview's Hunters Point. Um, I just want to, I know Mr. Beck is going to give a presentation, um, but before that, I just want to remind the commissioners that the micro LBEs are the smallest of the LBE uh, community, and we cannot get any work outside of San Francisco. It's just not, it's unheard of that anybody will hire a small, the smallest of the small construction or trucking companies anywhere outside of San Francisco. So I just want to keep that, you know, give you, put that in your mind that um, the reason why we're fighting, we're not here to start a war with anybody, but if we don't get work in San Francisco, we do not get work anywhere else. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. My name is LaSonia Mansfield. I'm the owner of Mansfield and Mansfield Construction Cleanup Company Site Support, and I'm a member of the SFLBBA um, Coalition or Association. And prior to the um, presentation, I just want to say that I'm a native, born and raised in San Francisco. I've raised and, and educated my kids out of San Francisco, and there's no reason why uh, Treasure Island should not be a part of contract work that we can do and provide for ourselves and our family. Thank you. Hello again, Commissioner. Commissioners, good to see everyone. Um, I'm Tristan Dion, owner of Streamline Drywall. I, too, am a member of the San Francisco Latino and Black Builders Association. We've gone over the report that's likely going to be presented from Bob on the participation from SBEs, but just wanted to echo everyone's sentiments in the micro-LBE community. It hasn't just been with Treasure Island, but naturally there is a huge ton of scope of work out here. It has been challenging for many years at the level that we're at to be able to partner with larger first-tier primes and either other larger, like for example with drywall. It's been a huge challenge. So that is part of why we're here, not only to shed light on what actually typically takes place, but the need for us and our desire to partner with the community. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Any other public comment? Is there anybody on the phone? We do have two callers on the phone. Go ahead. My name is James Pepper and Yesterday, last night, Bob Beck was there at the Treasure Island RAP, where I pointed out that it is against federal law and DOD regulations to transfer Treasure Island to the city of San Francisco. Treasure Island was a chemical warfare training base 
They used mustard gas on it. That is well documented. They removed hydrogen cyanide gas, which is, was, was named uh, Zyklon B, which is the gas used in the gas chambers in Nazi Germany. They removed that from the island in 1993 in the cleanup. Treasure Island is also in violation of the Chemical Weapons Treaty. It was not declared. You need to evacuate everybody. You need to keep every human being off the island, and the liability is there. Mr. Beck, I have screenshots of you witnessing the, um, the comments last night at the uh, hearing. There, it's, it's just been appalling. The worst chemicals known to man were used on the island, and the Navy allowed you and everybody who lives on the island to be exposed to these chemicals. The liability for the city is off the charts. Every single person who lives there, every person who worked there, every person who dug up that site. My uh, website is treasureislandcalifornia.wordpress.com, all spelled out. And the first article shows the laws that were broken. Also, I have a chronology link, and you can read all the contamination of San Francisco and Treasure Island and Hunters Point are in articles. You can see the, for instance, they have, um, I have pictures of the training in 1953, people in hazmat suits spreading contaminants directly on the ground. And this was public knowledge in the Navy for 25 years. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Next. Thank you. Uh, let me be a witness to what James Pepper has said. I'm Carol Harvey, an investigative reporter who's covered Treasure Island for the last eight years. I can tell you there are people on Treasure Island who are sick and dying because of these toxins. I want to talk about something uh, important to residents today. Survival services, they tell me, are being kicked away. They ask if a cell phone tower was demolished during construction because phone reception is worse, both inside and outside homes. John Stewart is providing shoddier maintenance. Islanders report they arbitrarily turn our gas off nearly every day, but don't always send someone to relight the pilot light in the water heater. The front convenience store is closing, leaving no business open after 8 p.m., which night workers rely on. This is a question for Bob, the entire board, and Nella Goncalves, head of the Transportation Committee. In meetings two years ago, residents asked Peter Somerville to address accessibility issues. Then Bob Beck promised to get back to Peter. Nothing was done. There's only one crosswalk near Maceo May and no bus stop there for disabled veterans. There's only one new sidewalk near the construction zone. The few sidewalks are not accessible with no curb cutout. This affects mothers with strollers, people with mobility issues using canes and riding wheelchairs, confused tourists, and sightseers on buses coming off the ferry. Residents worry that if something isn't done, a person who is forced to walk or ride in the street will be hit by a car or a bus. Thank you. That concludes public comment. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, what's the next item, please?
Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Item board uh, at the um, by the board of supervisors last month, and uh, as soon as he's sworn officially sworn in, he'll be joining us up here okay. on the dais. Um, I also is excited let, to announce. Let me just say welcome, Timothy. We will wait for you to be um, totally sworn in and take your seat at at this um, table, and um, look forward to your comments at that time. But we welcome you. Go ahead, Bob. Um, I also am excited to announce that Anne-Marie Rogers uh, will be joining Tida's staff. Uh, Anne-Marie is, is will be coming to Tida from the planning department, uh, where she has been the, the director of citywide policy for the last five years. Um, she has an extensive experience in preparing and implementing community plans, as well as working on citywide policy initiatives, including Connect SF, and the city's climate action plan. Um, she also has extensive uh, work experience working with the Board of Supervisors uh, and, and the State Assembly on legislative matters. So um, uh, she'll be a, a great addition to our staff. Um, and what position will she hold? She, she'll be the Deputy Director for Development. Great, thank you. Is she here today? No, no. But, um, The, uh, um, the County Transportation Authority held a ribbon-cutting uh, ceremony this last Saturday uh, to open the new I-80 off-ramp and Southgate interchange on Yerba Buena Island. Um, uh, Vice Chair Richardson uh, spoke at the event, as well as representatives from the CTA and Caltrans. Um, the roadway opened uh, Sunday morning, so we now have two exits from the Bay Bridge to Treasure Island, one on the left-hand side before you go through the tunnel and one on the right-hand side after you go through the tunnel. Uh, the left-hand exit is expected to close in June in conjunction with the, with the Transportation Authority's West Side Bridges project, which will reconstruct the viaduct structures on the west side of Yerba Buena Island. And a groundbreaking ceremony for that project is planned for June 16th. Um, also on Yerba Buena Island, Atau uh, began erecting the Point of Infinity sculpture in Hilltop Park uh, on May 1st, and a small event with the artist will be scheduled in June upon completion of the installation. Uh, also, uh, next Thursday uh, will be a ribbon-cutting for the Maceo May Apartments, our, our first 100% affordable building on Treasure Island, and Titus staff are coordinating with the teams uh, that are planning all three of these events. Uh, on Starview Court, uh, Titus staff is continuing to work with, with Mercy Housing to plan for the future occupancy of that building, uh, which will include uh, providing replacement housing for all of the island's current Catholic Charities households, as well as 23 transition units for residents of the villages uh, and additional uh, affordable units, uh, which uh, residents of the villages will have a priority. 
Um, we've been coordinating communications and are planning a community meetings for July. Um, and Mercy is also uh, evaluating potential tours of other Mercy pro properties uh, for current island residents so that they can uh, see what uh, some of their comparable uh, facilities look like. Um, uh, the Treasure Island Enterprises, who uh, uh, operates the existing marina and will be developing the new marina, um, will be mobilizing a contractor on May 22nd to remove piers that were damaged in uh, the March storms. Um, and they also anticipate filing uh, their application with the Bay Conservation Development Commission for the uh, marina uh, expansion, new marina expansion and construction uh, by the end of this month. Uh, we finalized demolition permits for building 29 uh, on Avenue H and Eco Bay will be mobilizing uh, to begin the demolition of that building also on May 22nd. Um, the timing of the demolition is being coordinated with the anticipated graduation of the 15th construction training program cohort uh, led by One Treasure Island. Um, also, uh, next week, uh, the State Water Board will be conducting their annual inspection of the I Treasure Island's water systems. Um, this will be their first annual inspection with the new reservoirs in operations. Um, I'd also like to invite Nella to come up and give an update on the activities of One Treasure Island. Okay. Before we do that, Nella, um, come come up, Nella. That's all right. But um, I just got a note from the mayor's office that um, Timothy has been confirmed, so you can sit and participate in the meeting, just not vote until sworn in. So please, please, Timothy, come up and join us um, and take a seat. Welcome. Yeah. Okay, Nella, go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Director. Deputy Director for One Treasure Island. I'm here to give you my report for May 2023. Uh, I want to start with, as Bob mentioned, the 15 cohort of the construction training program started May 1st. We have 13 candidates, and we're very excited to be able to offer more hands-on uh, experience uh, this cohort will be partnering with the fire department to build a house structure that the fire school can practice putting fires out on. And we're looking to build some dog houses, benches, and planners for island residents as well with the class. So we're excited to provide our candidates with more hands-on experience. Um, outreach continues. I wanna again invite you all to subscribe to Island News if you have not already. Uh, new director, Tim, I will make sure you get that information. Um, it's a mass texting application that uh, sends out weekly uh, notices uh, with events and um, outreach for um, other activities that are happening on the island. Uh, we are excited to be planning our spring fling, which is this Saturday. Um, so we invite you to come out to Treasure Island, 12 to 4 p.m. We have a lot of activities. We have a mobile tooth bus coming to provide some dental services for island residents. Rock the bike smoothie maker so you can get on a bike and make some smoothies if you like. Uh, Hip-hop dance class and a lot of vendors from our island partners and some food trucks. 
Um, we are also, we also held our island-wide community meeting on April 19th. We had 17 individuals attend the meeting and we shared the executive summary of the supplemental transportation plan, which I'll be sharing with you all in a little bit. And lastly, we closed the survey for the Treasure Island Aspirational Visioning Statement on April 30th. We received 154 responses, a little shy of our 200 goal, but we were okay to get that to that number. And we're working with a consultant currently to analyze the responses and we'll share them with the community as soon as we get them. And that concludes my report. Okay. Thank you. Thank you and thank you for all that One Treasure Island does for the community. Thank you. Bob, that's it. Um, so I'm going to open it up to the commission for any comments or questions, and then I'll open it up for public comment. I see Mr. Dunlop, go ahead. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Director. Um, this is kind of goes back before Bob's uh, report, but I was concerned about the accessibility issue. And do you have anything about that, anything to say? Yeah, we um, have done a survey of uh, the residential neighborhood looking primarily or uh, first at, at paths of travel from each residential building to uh, the closest muni bus stop. Uh, and there are some areas where we have identified that we should, we should install some new curb ramps. Um, and then there's some areas where we actually uh, think we should take out some crosswalks because they um, they go across the street to a, an open field, um, not necessarily at an intersection, but they right. they would go you know they wouldn't they wouldn't take someone to an accessible location. Right. So um, we're we're going to be making some uh, putting we've put together a plan. Uh, we won't be able to address all of the locations this year, but we'll start the process of addressing. Uh, some of the locations uh, and then do it over a course of a couple of years and um, one of the areas that uh, um, in particular is at 13th and Gateview that's kind of what we've identified as our highest priority um, the there's not an accessible path of travel out of Kepler and Hutchins Court uh, mm -hmm. to the nearest transit stop so that that'll be our starting point Okay, thank you. Will there be a report or any additional information on that? Um, I, I can send you like kind of what, what we've identified, um, but I'll probably provide updates through my director's report as, as we go forward. Okay, that'd be great. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Ms. Richardson. Yes, thank you. Um, this item is not on the agenda, but I want to um, at least make some public comments. The micro LBE program, I think, San Francisco is the only city that is putting that together and why I worked on it decades ago when I was on the Human Rights Commission. And we are talking about the tiniest of the tiniest of the tiniest opportunity because with the billions of dollars of construction in this city, we know the general co contractors, they are well taken, they have the resources they can do. The micro LV that just folks, the majority are people of color. And it is true. If they don't get anything, they don't need. And so I just want to say that, that we understand that and seeing people coming here and time they could be working, living their work, we are very mindful of that. And we have asked for this item 
to be on the agenda, and I know uh, uh, Director Bob Beck is working on, on this particular yeah. uh, matter, and we'll do that, so we'll be able to you know, talk more, but we recognize your presence. Thank, uh, thank you. Thank you, Linda, for that statement. Um, actually, it is on the agenda for today. I believe Mr. Beck is going to present a report today on it. So um, let's see. Um, Ms. Howard? Yeah, thank you. Um, Bob, I just had a follow-up question about the, um, the ribbon cutting. Could you um, say when that is going to be again? And just curious if TI advisors will be attending that ribbon cutting as well. Um, so the, the ribbon cutting for the Maceo May Apartments will be on uh, next Thursday, May 18th. Um, yes, and, and actually, I think all of the commissioners and also staff should have received an invite. So if you have not, um, Kate, can you make sure that it's good? Yeah, sent. It's April 18th um, at the Maceo Mayor site. And it's very exciting because it's our first affordable housing project to be built on Treasure Island. So it's really a very important um, step for us. Yeah. And I had not invited TI advisors to be there, but uh, perhaps uh, I'll, we may want to have flyers available uh, for current residents who, who have questions um, to follow up. Yeah. And then, um, Bob. Um, uh, the next on-island meeting, which has been requested by lots of people, have we um, set a time for that? Is it going to be in our June or July? Yeah, we're planning on that for the next TIDA board meeting, which will be June 14th. Um, uh, we would start the meeting at 6.30 uh, p.m., and we'd have, uh, you know, we typically have a, a, what we call a poster session or uh, beforehand where we may have... Uh, various tables out for public information, um, as well as, uh, you know, some snacks and things. So. Great, wonderful. So that has been set. It is um, on uh, the next, the second Wednesday in June. So is that June 14th um, at 6.30? So the, um, they will be uh, um, posted, uh, the date and the location as well. And then in your report, Bob, um, uh, you didn't mention the Community Garden Day, which um, was last month. I did go to visit the Community Garden, which the group Indigenous Permaculture has put together, and the produce from that Community Garden is given free to all the residents. And I think it's a great program, um, and so um, I'd like to highlight the success of that as well. Okay. Com Commissioner, just yes. something. I, I don't know how long uh, Sherry or Nella are going to stay. For the on-island island meeting, I will highly suggest that if you can extend some invitation to some of the graduates that have participated in your program, because solely we're dealing, I think it would be great if some of them can show up that day and let us know where they are, you know, where they benefited, and every time we have on the island, is something I would like to suggest because our commissioners and also to really see all these wonderful programs that we're putting together that nobody knows about or who they are. So if you can help us to work on that, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now public comment on the director's report. 
have a comment on the director's report. Jeff Klein again. Uh, thank you for the report, Director Beck. Um, I had a question regarding uh, the ramps project. I'm wondering if you're going to promise security for TIDA to repay money borrowed from the County Transportation Authority with uh, our rents as you did for the 2009 ramps project. Um, but more importantly, have you read the uh, recent article about Maceo May suffering $35 million of damage in, 19, in 2021 from a storm because they used modular construction that didn't have a roof on it? And they, it's in the standard in San Francisco, look it up, and they suffered $35 million on a $110 million project that only provides 110 units of housing, as far as I understand. If this is the new price going forward of nearly one and a half million per unit, then I calculate that TIDA trying to build 1,684 units of housing at a 1.45 million apiece, you're gonna be short $2 billion. And I'm wondering, because this issue has come up before, shortfall of funding for affordable housing, if you have any ideas where you could make up that money. Thank you. Okay. Any other comments? Hi, this is Steve Stallone from the Treasure Island Organizing Committee. Um, okay, um, on the uh, on-island meeting, June 14th at 6.30, is it gonna be at ship shape? It'll be at Do the YMCA, the gymnasium. At the, at the YMCA, okay. Um, and then the oh. Maceo May oh, uh, ribbon cutting, um, it's uh, Wednesday the 18th, but at what time? The, uh, I just wanted to correct myself. The, the, um, the on-island board meeting we were gonna do this year at the, at the school site, in the auditorium at the oh. school site. Okay. Um, and I believe that the, the uh, Maceo May Apartments event is at 10.30 uh, in the morning. Okay. Is it 10.30 or 10.30 or 11, I, I, sorry. 11. 11, 11, sorry, 11 a.m. There's no more public comment. Thank you. So next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by TIDA. Okay, available. Any comments or questions about communications from the commission or from the public? If not, next item, please. We do have one caller. Okay, go ahead. Hi, <clears throat> Carol Harvey again. On May 4th, the San Francisco Public Press wrote an article announcing a new two-year step-down facility for fentanyl users that just opened on Treasure Island offering 70 spots. That seems like a lot. In what buildings are these step-down beds located? Thank you. Okay. 
I, I don't have that information, and I'm, are you prepared to answer that question, Paul? The, the program in question is operated uh, by HealthRight360, uh, and they're operating it out of one of the residential buildings that they currently sublease from, from Tida. So you can get information from HealthRight360. Thank you. Okay. Item number five, ongoing business by board of directors. Directors. Uh, is there anything you would like to bring up? Hearing none, next item, please. Item number six, consent agenda, approving the minutes of the April 12th, 2023 meeting. So moved. Second. All right, are there any items that the board would like to take out of the consent agenda for consideration? He hearing none. Oh, there's only one, yes. <laughs> Approval of the minutes. All right, so it's been um, motioned and seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 All those against, the ayes have it. Thank you. Next item, please. Item number seven, small business enterprise procedures and Treasure Island community development performance. Thank you, uh, directors. Um, as, as a follow-up to our, our the public comment at last meeting, wanted to provide you an update on um, an overview again on on the um, small business enterprise program that Treasure Island Community Development follows in their work and to give you an update on what their per past performance has been uh, as well as to speak a little bit about uh, what, what's upcoming in terms of opportunities. So um, as, as uh, directors will recall, um, Treasure Island was intended to be a redevelopment program during the entitlement phase. Uh, and then uh, uh, just prior to entitlement, the uh, state of California uh, terminated redevelopment, but the um, small business enterprise pro projects uh, that were developed for the program uh, were, were formulated under the assumption that TIDA would be a re redevelopment agency and were modeled after the small business enterprise programs of the former San Francisco Redevelopment Agency. Um, as such, it, it didn't have a ge doesn't contain a geographic restriction on small businesses to be from San Francisco, um, but uh, 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 does provide the, the does recognize small businesses from outside San Francisco. Although uh, it does prioritize uh, small businesses from San Francisco. Um, there are also some differences in how uh, participation, small business participation is defined and measured under the program as well. So in, in all of the entitlement and transaction documents that were approved in 2011, uh, the jobs and equal opportunity uh, plan was, uh, I'm sorry, it, yeah, the jobs and equal opportunity program uh, or jobs EOP was, was one of those uh, documents, um, which sets out a number of uh, economic opportunity uh, measures uh, related to the development. It, it defines uh, small business enterprise participation goals, uh, provides the outline for first source hiring goals, um, as well as the Treasure Island Job Broker Program. Um, it also uh, identifies certain economic development opportunities for one treasure island, uh, including 
the right of first offer to member agencies for landscaping, janitorial, uh, and temporary property management functions, as well as other uh, contracting and program requirements. Um, the job ZOP required TIDA to establish procedures for implementing and achieving the goals of the SBE program, and in 2014, the TIDA board uh, approved the SBE procedures, which were subsequently updated in 2016 and 2022 to reflect changes in the definitions the, the, uh, of, of how much uh, the, the gross receipts thresholds for small business uh, enterprises that, that were made in Chapter 14B of, of the San Francisco Admin Code. Um, the, the SBE procedures uh, uh, set up the procedures and, and provided the forms for reporting, monitoring, and documenting S SBE participation, um, and, but it did not alter the goals or eligibility criteria that were established in the job COP. Um, also, uh, as was anticipated in job COP, uh, the Treasure Island Community Development uh, did execute a project labor agreement for the Treasure Island uh, program, uh, which uh, reserves most construction op contracting opportunities for union contractors, although there are ways for uh, non-union contractors to uh, sign on for the purposes of an, an addition, a, a single contract uh, as well. Um, the, the Treasure Island Small Business Enterprise Program is, is distinct uh, from the San Francisco LBE program. I mentioned that it recognizes small businesses from outside San Francisco, and it applies to construction and professional service contracts issued by Treasure Island Community Development uh, vertical and uh, developers as, and Treasure Island Community Development's uh, agents and affiliates. Um, SBEs include any uh, LBE, small LBE, or micro LBE uh, certified um, in accordance with Chapter 14B of the Admin Code. Um, small or disadvantaged business enterprises is uh, recognized by OCII. Um, and then small business enterprises uh, recognized by another governmental agency or by TIDA uh, based on a gross receipts test. Um, also, uh, any one Treasure Island uh, nonprofit member organization or entity wholly owned by a one Treasure Island member organization uh, counts towards the small business participation goals. Um, and the project participation goals are 41% for construction services and 38% and for professional services. Um, I did want to just highlight that Contracts issued by TIDA do not fall under the job ZOP in this small business program, uh, but follow uh, Chapter 14B of the Admin Code um, and, and with uh, contract-specific uh, goals established by the Office of Contract Monitoring. Um, also, the 100% the affordable residential sites like uh, the Maceo May Apartments and contracts issued by the CTA like the Southgate Ramps project, also follow the, the admin code. So we're just talking about the work of TICD and, and its affiliates and, and agents. 
Um, so through the end of 2022, uh, almost 47% of professional services uh, contracts awarded by TICD have gone to uh, SBE firms. Um, and 95% of, of that SBE work has gone to San Francisco LBEs. Through the end of, of 2022, um, almost 45% of construction contracts awarded by TICD have gone to SBE firms um, with uh, roughly 80% of that SBE construction work going to San Francisco LBEs. Um, also, uh, we mentioned building 29 demolition during my um, executive report and uh, when wherever possible TICD has coordinated the remediation of, of buildings prior to demolition uh, to allow for that work to be formed by graduating classes from, from the One Treasure Island Construction Training Program. On the professional services front, uh, you see the, the numbers here, $126 million in professional services to date. Um, the the uh, small businesses have uh, been across a variety of, of firms, but primarily uh, concentrated in the civil landscape architecture and, and architecture realms. Um, uh, a couple of important firms to note here, uh, CMG, CG, CMG, who is the uh, kind of the master landscape architect for uh, the island, uh, as well as Fry and Loretta, who is the civil engineering firm managing the subphase three uh, design uh, uh, street improvement permit package. Um, both of those firms have, have graduated now from uh, SBE status, uh, which uh, on one hand, it's, it's a testament to, to it, that's due in part to the work that they uh, secured through the programs on Treasure Island, uh, but it also highlights that uh, uh, in order to continue to meet goals on future contracts that, that the developer will need to be uh, reaching out to new firms um, because uh, they, they, on future contracts, uh, won't be able to rely on some of these same stakeholders. On the construction side, um, Again, all, over $400 million in construction work uh, to date with 144 of that going to uh, San Francisco small businesses. Um, a lot of that work uh, is concentrated in, in utility work um, with Kratis, Mountain Cascade Joint Venture, Kratis uh, as an as a independent firm and, and Phoenix Electric accounting for uh, more than 60% of the small business participation just between those three uh, firms on electrical, stormwater, and sewer collection work, um, but also some of the other uh, firms. And again, um, several of these firms have graduated from LBE status. So as we look at forward to the subphase three infrastructure work and future contracts, we'll be needing to identify new uh, firms and new participants to continue to meet our goals. Um, uh, TIDA and, and Treasure Island Community Development were invited to present to the Local Business Enterprise Advisory Committee uh, in August of 2021 uh, and again in December of, of 2022. Uh, although ours is not an LBE program, uh, the San Francisco uh, contracting community want, ha, 
uh, requested more information on our program and on upcoming opportunities. Um, also, uh, in March of this year, TICD submitted their, their annual report for SBE performance through the end of calendar year 2022. Um, and we've been working with TICD staff to, to review and summarize uh, historical performance data. Um, and we recognize that despite uh, meeting the, the overall goal, that there's more that we can be, that can be done uh, to engage the San Francisco LB community and to communicate and promote upcoming opportunities. Um, with that, I'd, I'd like to introduce uh, Danielle Butler, who uh, has stepped into the role of outreach, ma outreach manager for uh, TICD and uh, helped uh, prepare uh, the, the calendar year 22 report, uh, as well as has been working with us to go back through historical data um, and uh, have her say a few words. Thanks, Bob. <clears throat> Good afternoon, directors. Um, so as Bob mentioned, I'm now coordinating the SBE outreach efforts on behalf of TICD. Um, we have many projects and scopes that span multiple years, so we have been vetting the historical data, making sure that our reporting is correct and consistent. Um, and then I'm also working to identify opportunities for improvement. Um, so, you know, one thing we're doing today with COVID, everything kind of shut down. We didn't have normal operations, but we now have our construction liaison office open on Treasure Island. That's at the TICD office at One Avenue of the Palms. Um, you can submit inquiries to, on the Treasure Island Development Authority website, but you can also uh, email project inquiries at tisf.com, and that goes directly to me. So I get that email and I respond. Um, we are, I'll talk about this in a future slide, but we're planning an SBE outreach event uh, for the third quarter of this year to get ahead of some of the new scopes that we will be bidding out. And then uh, our ongoing commitment is to continue to have pre-bid meetings as there are opportunities for that and uh, regular quarterly workshops. Um, and that's to inform the community on ongoing and upcoming scopes of work, answer questions, and put folks in touch with the right project team leads. Um, as opportunities have come available, we do outreach and advertise. So we um, outreach to the CMD's list of certified LBEs. We post on the title website, outreach to those that have registered through the title website. Um, we work with the One Treasure Island member organizations. We post on the Small Business Exchange and the San Francisco Examiner. Um, with all of our uh, bidding that we've done in the past, we do hold pre-bid meetings, and we don't do this alone. This is a, an effort with TIDA and 1TI and uh, OEWD to make sure that we are informing everyone about our SBE requirements and first source hiring. We do have some work coming up, and this is where I mentioned that we were gonna hold an SBE outreach event um, in, Q3, Q4 of this year, we'll have a few parks that will start construction or that we will be bidding out for construction. Cityside Park, Cultural Park, and Beach Park. We have subphase three roadways and utilities to start early next year. And then the chapel renovation, which is the existing building in Cultural Park. We think that this could be a good opportunity to um, you know, exceed our, our goals and really work with the micro LBEs on this project. 
Um, this could have an SBE prime or a micro SBE subcontractor participation. And this is really just the beginning. Uh, the work to date has been focusing on um, the infrastructure and roadways and everything we can do to support the existing housing. We um, have Maceo May is uh, delivering now. Mercy is delivering next, next year. And sh shortly following that will be four to 500 market rate units. So our work to date has been to support that, but this is really just the beginning. Uh, we'll be doing the parks and open space to round out phase one. We have the sub-phase three infrastructure, the geotech infrastructure work for uh, all the future phases, which will be more than 7,000 additional residents. And you know we're expecting 13 plus years of build out. So many more years to come of contracting opportunities. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks, yeah, that, that concludes our, our update. Thank you, and thank you, Danielle, uh, for that report. Um, I, I'm really glad to get this report. Um, we've done a lot of construction in the last couple of years, and this is the first comprehensive report on uh, construction goals that we've had to date, and I'm glad that to note that we have exceeded those goals. That's very optimistic. Um, and also, the fact that um, groups, uh, companies that started out as LBEs have now graduated beyond that, um, and so they have grown because of um, our work and other work in the city, so I'm glad to see that. But the most important thing is that there's plenty of other opportunities um, because there's more construction that is to come, um, and so we want to welcome LBEs and um, SBEs to make sure that they have the opportunity to participate and get um, a part of the economic benefits that are um, part of this project. So I will open it up to Mr. Dunlop, to the board first, and then I will take public comments. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Um, I just had two real questions. Uh, the first one to Danielle is, um, how has your reach out been to the queer community? Or is there any specific outreach? Oh, uh, reach out to the queer community. There certainly are a lot of small businesses and construction. Okay, if you, you could, that would be great. Then I just wanted to see how this ties into the micro um, MBEs and how are we doing outreach there and have we been successful or uh, some people seem to think we haven't been. And so I would like to hear that either from Bob or you, Danielle. Um, are the... Um, oh pushing the wrong button, sorry. Um, so our, we, we don't have a, a great amount of micro LBE to participation to date. Um, and uh, the, the small business enterprise program um, that as itself does not establish goals for the micro LBE participation. Um, but we are looking as we go forward at where those opportunities do exist on some of our our, some of our work, it, it is difficult because uh, it, the contracts tend to be large scale. Um, and so uh, uh, 
scopes that would be for uh, a micro LBE may be more challenging, but uh, perhaps as, as second tier subs and, and working uh, in that way, we can, we can carve out some more opportunities. Um, but we don't have a specific participation goal for micro LBEs, but it is an area that we want to look at as we go forward uh, where, where we can incorporate and foster that participation. Right, because I'm certainly we do, or not we, but then are um, the people we have um, employed or contracted with they do get subs, and it would be a really important venue, I think, or potential for um, again it's the small, the micro MBEs. Thank you. Thank you, um, Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Bob, for bringing this information, I think it's very important, something that we can reference. I, I think that the takeaway is based on the requirements and expectation that we've not, TIDA has not only met, but exceeded those goals, that's comforting. What is before us now, as someone that, when I was on the Human Rights Commission, I was actually the co-chair of the LBE. And so all this work about micro-LBEs, we realized then that it wasn't a level playing field and that minorities especially, if you look at the micro-LBE community, that's what you have. They don't have the expertise. It's in construction. It's like the chicken or the egg. And one time, you know, before you can become an LBE or even in construction, you are mandated to have done some work in construction. So. It's like if you don't give them, so we, we put knowingly uh, put the micro LBE. And the solution is this, and I'm glad that Danielle is here, is that this group of the micro LBEs are the people that we hand carry, they have to be matched with the SBE and the LBE. That's how it's done. And so at the time that you're awarding, and I'm looking at the professional services here, we've been over what, 120 something million in construction, over 400 million and these are billions type projects. If you look at trucking, by the time we are doing something that nobody, no development in North America, we will have over 300,000 trucks shuffling sand in and out of Treasure Island. Look at that, those numbers. God forbid that we don't have a small set aside for just people to be working on that. And that's what the discussion is all about. So we need to go to the drawing board. And again, for people out there, they need to know we are exceeding those goals. Because when people talk in San Francisco, they know. Because I said, yeah, we see. And thank God for people like Echo Bay, because through Echo Bay, we were able to bring in minorities and people that are at risk. Bring them in. They're going to training. And guess what? They're also working on that. We were able to be creative. And Bob Beck and this uh, commissioners here, we make sure that that training comes. It's another way for us to be creative to ensure that we're able to give to people that may not have opportunities. So that's what we need to do because the Human Rights Commission, when we were putting together the micro LBE, the expectation was that they would be matched. They will be matched, and we are conscious of that, so that's the solution. And we're going to be talking with Bob because we're talking about drywall. We're talking about trucking. Come on. With all these contracts, we can partner them 
with some of these folks and they continue to continue to have work and who knows, they might graduate from micro into LBE and then sometimes into the SBE. That's why San Francisco created that tiny, tiny stuff so that we can continue to grow and bridge that gap. So thank you for this report and uh, for Danielle. That, uh, that's exactly, and I can share with um, Mr. Bob Beck what those programs were when the city introduced micro LBE. And in fact, it's a model for the country and it's something that every jurisdiction, not just San Francisco, ought to be adopting if they're really serious about equity and inclusion. Thank you. Thank you, um, Ms. Howard. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just had a couple of questions that I realized. I think you answered them, Bob, in your report, in your um, PowerPoint here, that that this difference with these, um, this LBE program is not strictly limited to San Francisco LBEs. But then on the second page, or whatever page you have the percentages, it shows that even that we exceeded that 38% goal for the professional services, and then 95% of those were actually San Francisco LBEs. So, um, so I see that's broken down. I'm wondering if we, I mean, do we have a breakdown of, of the micro LBEs in there as well? And could you, do we have that information available? And also then, you mentioned we don't have goals. I think Linda was just hinting out an idea of how maybe we establish some goals to include a goal for, we have a goal for um, the SBEs in general, but maybe we can set a goal. Um, I don't know if that's a part of this board's um, purview, but it, it seems, or maybe adopting the Human Rights Commission um, goals that might be something that we could ensure that Um, so I, I don't have data on, on micro uh, LBE participation. Um, as I described, we've been kind of plowing through the data to, to sort and ca categorize it. I think that generally speaking, the micro LBE participation has been very low. Um, as I mentioned, the, the uh, uh, you know, these are, these are large projects with large contracts and, and uh, participation is is monitored at the first tier sub level um, where realistically um, micro LBs are, are more likely to be participating at, at a second tier sub level um, now that being said I, I we recognize that there's more that we can do to try and and link subs with second tier subs uh, to try and foster that as well. In terms of specific goals for micro LBEs, um, under 14B, the city sets goals on a contract by contract basis. Um, not all contracts have micro LBE goals. Um, they, they generally, they, they most, almost all, uh, the vast majority, do have small uh, business LBE goals. Um, but far fewer have specific micro LB goals, but, um, but it's something that we can discuss in the future. Yeah. Thank you. Ms. Preston? Um, I'm curious as to how many MBE contracts do we have as far as Treasure Island? Um, historically, where, where are the community, are we outreaching to the historically ethnic communities in San Francisco, Hunters Point, 
uh, the Fillmore, where, you know, portrayal, or is this where the businesses, how are they being matched? I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to just, as a lay person, I'm trying to figure out this process in my mind. Because like Mark, I'm hearing the same thing. Oh, we're looking for work on Treasure Island. It's not being given to us. Now, this is coming to me as a resident. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, are there collaborations with community-based organizations throughout the city? Is this how this works? What's the vetting process? How are they being matched? And along with Ms. Howard, the MBE breakdown, like. Yeah, so there's uh, one of the key forums for, for formation of teams is the pre-proposal uh, meetings. Um, and uh, Danielle went through some of the forums that that uh, um, uh, they have where they have historically advertised and 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 done outreach. Um, and uh, but we are looking at a more proactive approach uh, to be reaching out to CBOs and and other organizations. Uh, uh, rather than, if you will, just post a post an announcement on the wall, um, go out and knock on doors and uh, try and encourage outreach and attendance at those pre-proposal meetings. Okay, and that was my question also for Danielle. What is how is the outreach structure? What does yeah. this event look like? Are you using um, you know agencies such as One Ti, you know, or or community-based agencies, resident-based yeah, agencies? Yeah, it's really, um, we do work with 1TI, we do work with TIDA. Um, the CMD website where small businesses, um, and they do differentiate between small, micro. So I think CMD is a good place to start, but not everyone registers there and gets certified, so there are other ways that they can get certified. They can go to TIDA and submit tax returns for the last three years. So I think it's also giving doing outreach for folks that aren't necessarily even certified as small businesses, but are doing work as small businesses. Um, and then it's holding these, these workshops, so it's going to all of those places I mentioned, but really making sure they know there's a place to meet and you know, have a question and answer period, make sure everyone understands how it works, what the contractor expectations would be, what the timing is for submitting, you know, their proposals. They might need a little more hand-holding. Um, so I think it's just, you know, going one step further. I think we've been, we've been going through the motions, we've been doing the things, and it, it's worked, actually. I mean, we've met our goals, but I think to, to go that one layer deeper, I think it's, it's just a, you know, an extra level of outreach. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So hearing no other comments from um, the board, let's open it up for public comment. Thank you again. My name is Tricia Gregory. Um, so Director Beck and this lady over here, I want to let you know from the LBE community and the micros, you are failing at the outreach. We are requesting, as we requested Charles from the TIDA group, we are requesting an LBE liaison. Every large project in the city of San Francisco has one. Mission Rock, the SFPUC Biosolids, that LBE liaison would work with, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, Danielle. with Danielle to make sure we are fully aware of every single contract that is coming out. Working with us on helping us bid and all of that. Director Beck, you have the power to put that pressure on the TIDA group 
And that's what we are requesting. Sorry, I was so angry about the outreach. I um, got just, uh, okay. So on top of that, with this report that you just said, I reached out to the, once I read this report, I did reach out to some of those LBEs that are listed on this, um, this paper. <coughs> and some of those LBEs haven't even received a contract even close to a $5 million. So for them to say that these are the leading LBEs on this project, it's, it's not matching with what is really going on. So we would like transparency, like at the SFPUC Biosolids. They have on their website who was awarded the contract, who are the subs, what the subs were awarded. We would like more transparency on who these projects are, who these companies are, because it could be one professional service, it's an LBE, who's awarded 90% of that, of that dollar amount. Thank you. Tristan Dion from Streamline Drywall. Uh, Director Beck, you stated earlier in regards to prioritizing LBEs over SBE, and I'm curious what your process flow is, because the outline brought out as far as an SBE definition, there's four different bullet points that start with small LBE, micro LBE, and then grows from there. From all the work, the hundreds of millions of dollars of work that's been awarded thus far, what was the process flow to prioritize LBEs and being able to issue contracts for that work? Because it seems like there's a huge disconnect there. Yeah. Um, on that, we're having to go back through records and bid results to see. Um, we don't, I don't necessarily have. Uh, specific instances where a non-SBE, uh, a San Francisco SBE and, a, and, an, and, an L, and a non-San Francisco SBE proposed for the same scope. Um, so we're, we're still researching, you know, uh, w did we have instances where that occurred? But we're, uh, so we're still trying to look through the records and, and give you a response on that question. Got you. By the next meeting, do you think you'll be able to provide the list that I believe it was Janet Howard had requested in regards to listing who the micro OBEs are? Because even me as an owner, I would love if there are other success stories on how they effectively communicated with the primes, how they effectively communicated with the first tiers, how it is we're supposed to be able to connect with them would be very beneficial for us so that if there's something we're doing wrong, we can correct that so that it doesn't impact, you know, the work that we're able to tap into throughout the rest of the development. But um, that was brought out. We had asked here as far as, like Trish said, full transparency on who the micro LBs are. Um, bid outreach. No, no, I know you had mentioned that you're newer to the position, but Streamline drywall, we're one of the only drywall LBs in San Francisco. I have not received any kind of outreach whatsoever for Treasure Island. I've been in contact with the major primes. I won't list any names. As I mentioned earlier, one of our biggest. Thank you. Thank you.
I am on a, woo, I'm sorry, I got a little loud, but I am on a multi-year contract at the SFPUC, and they sat down with their GC, WebCore, and MWH to make it happen, and this can happen here at Treasure Island as well. Like I said, we may be small, but we're not stupid. We're priming our own work. We just need a carve out for our um, capacity. We do everything. We do the reports. We do everything. We should not be stalemated or stopped from this opportunity. And I appreciate the board, the commission board, for all that you're doing. I know you're going to make a difference, and I know you're going to change it. Thank you. God bless you guys. Michael Gregory, heavyweight trucking. I got a comment about uh, some of the companies that you guys say has graduated out of the program. Uh, Echo Bay, which is a great friend of mine, he's an SBA LBE. Um, the company uh, Team North, they was kicked out of the program many, many years ago for whatever they've done. So I don't see how you can use their numbers and say that they progressed in the, in the ranks of the program and did so great. Here it is, we have a company that's set up similar to the one as Echo Bay, which I met with Bob Beck a couple of years ago. We employ uh, um, previously incarcerated male and female. We're giving these guys a chance. We've been on the island trying to cut a deal, cut a deal with the island, and we got nowhere, no progress. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, is there any public comment on the phone? Yes, we have two callers on the Go line. Go ahead. As you mentioned the ship-shaped building, if you look up on the ceiling, you'll see asbestos on it flaking off. Yet all your meetings, you were all exposed. The Navy knew about it in 1995 in the baseline report and did nothing about it. So you need to get everybody out of that building. And I emailed to you and your staff um, the laws that were used um, that are violated by the Navy in the transferring of Treasure Island to San Francisco. Uh, it's under CFR 40, number 266.205, standards applicable to the storage of solid waste military munitions, which makes the DOD ammunition and explosive safety standards the law. And it's the DOD 6055.09 that says you cannot uh, transfer the properties that are where chemical agents were used to the city of San Francisco. Specifically, C12.8. Transfer of real property outside of DOD control. It also says you I, cannot I, do any improvements. Excuse me. There, I, I think that the speaker is talking um, on an agenda, not on this agenda item, and so uh, I think we we'll need move to, to the next speaker. Yeah. Move to the next speaker. Thank you. Hello, this is Steve Stone from the Treasure Island Organizing Committee again. Um, this is a question for Mr. Beck. Um, Bob, I, I thought I heard you say, and I just I want clarification to make sure I didn't get this wrong, that the dividing line of when you use or you, you can not use union labor is if it's a project that is 
one that TICD and, and TIDA are, are not doing. If it's another developer, they can use non-union labor. Is that accurate? To, to the question of the caller on the phone, um, all of the work uh, by TI, just, just as the, the work of TICD, the vertical developers, and uh, TICD's agents and affiliates is covered by the Small Business Enterprise Program, TICD also entered into a project labor agreement that covers themselves, the vertical developers, and uh, uh, their, their affiliates. Um, but to be clear, that the 100% affordable sites being delivered by the city do not look, fall underneath the project labor agreement. So uh, Maceo May Apartments, uh, the Starview Court Project, uh, those don't fall underneath the project labor agreement. But, but they do conform to the San Francisco Prevailing wage and, and all, all of the yes. other standard city requirements That's right. That's right. Uh, prevailing for prevailing wage, yes. Okay, so um, well, uh, make sure that it's on this item. Uh, just a quick comment. Uh, it's a very complicated uh, jobs and equal opportunity program that I'm not familiar with, but um, I just wanted to point out that the uh, economic development conveyance that allowed the transfer of all the property to TIDA for this project is under um, federal law, and that's the uh, Defense Base Closure and, and Realignment Act of 1990. The implementing regulations uh, are in the 32 CFR, Code of Federal Reg Regulations, Part 174, and uh, point nine refers to EDCs, Economic Development Conveyances, and it says, the secretary concerned may transfer real property and personal property to the local reuse authority, which is TIDA, recognized by the Navy, for purposes of job generation on the former installation. That's it, job generation. That is the number one purpose of the EDC. So I think it's really incumbent on TIDA to make sure they get this right. This is the priority. Um, thank you. Thank you. So. Um, uh, let me just say to the speakers uh, for the LBE, we, we've heard you. Thank you for coming today to give you, uh, to give us your concerns and your viewpoints. Um, we understand that there needs to be more outreach, that there needs to be more transparency of the data, um, and also that there should be further assistance um, to LBEs on how to get information, how to get bids, you know, all of that pre-bid conference um, materials and workshops, you should have links and information so that you can um, certainly uh, take advantage of those. So thank you for your perspective and thank you for coming today. All right, we'll, we'll go to the next item, please. Item number eight, supplemental transportation survey update. Okay. Thank you, uh, directors. Uh, Nella with One Treasure Island will give an update on this. Uh, one Treasure Island took the initiative to um, initiate an, a, an outreach information to gather more public input on the, the range of, of transportation needs for current and future residents and um, wanted to provide them the opportunity to, to update you with 
with what they've what they've learned. Thank you. Good afternoon again, directors. Again, Nella Gonzalez, One Treasure Island. I'm excited to share with you the uh, executive summary from the supplemental transportation study that we did um, in collaboration with SFCTA. Uh, so I am going to, let's see if I can work this thing. It's just the first, the red button. This one? Nope, the arrow, there you go, okay. So first I'm gonna share a little bit about what was the purpose of this plan. So as you know, Treasure Island is in the midst of redevelopment and there is a transportation plan. And part of the transportation plan was um, to explore different options for supplemental transportation. As many of you know, there's a toll, it's very controversial. And so Treasure one Treasure Island's role was to um, engage in this study to begin to learn and understand the travel patterns of island residents and island workers so then we could um, come up with some recommendations to Tima on some supplemental transportation options outside of cars and the buses um, that are currently on the island. And so um, the plan identifies a variety of public transportation improvements and supplemental transportation services that could be implemented on Treasure Island in the near term. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about what were the objectives of the action plan. So we, uh, we had five objectives with our plan, which one was connectivity, which was to improve the quality and availability of transportation options to and from key destinations in San Francisco, primarily for residents and workers. Right now, public transportation goes to one place, right? Transbay Terminal and that's it. Um, to um, ensure safety on transportation to and from the island for all community members. Um, to address the community's essential service um, access needs, especially for low-income residents and workers. Affordability, to maximize cost effectiveness for transportation users and providers and leverage existing resources. And the fifth objective was action, uh, to prioritize the strategies that have the opportunities for quick and sustained implementation. So how did we engage the community in order to come up with the recommendations? We, we did three major um, things. So one, we formed a community work group. And it was established on the outset of the study and it helped shape the community and stakeholder engagement efforts. It increased engagement and provided input on transportation needs and draft recommendations. So we worked with a group of eight folks um, for a close to a year. Um, we had eight meetings um, where we talked about um, everything from the survey to the focus groups to what elements um, in transportation right now that, that, that were good, that needed improvement, and so we got their feedback. When we convened this group, we made sure that we had a cross-section of residents, and so we got single adults and those with families and uh, uh, youth and folks who were um, elderly or seniors and had mobility issues, and we had a cross-section of folks. 
And then um, along with that, we developed a needs assessment survey that went out to the community. And this survey went out in English, Spanish, and Chinese. And there were electronic versions and paper versions of the surveys. And we asked residents, workers, and visitors about their current travel patterns to and from the island, any barriers to travel, and perceptions of some potential supplemental transportation strategies. We received 196 responses. And uh, we were very pleased because at this point we started to notice that some of the information that the work group was sharing with us was sort of the same information that we were getting from the wider community. Um, and then the last thing that we did was that we developed focus groups. And again, we had four focus groups, English, Spanish, Chinese, and one geared for youth. Um, in all transparency, the focus groups didn't go as well as we planned. We only got 11 people that, um, that came out to the focus groups. But again, in those 11 folks that came out in their responses, they were in line with what we were hearing from the surveys and again from the work group. All right. So what were some of the recommended actions that came from all of this work? And so our actions are organized in four categories. The first one is safety. The second one is improved transportation options. The third one is communications. And the last one is affordability. And you can see at the bottom right, uh, there's a recommendations actions key. And you can see that there are implementation timelines that go from year one through about eight, and then cost estimates by dollar signs. One dollar sign is under $100,000, all the way to three dollar signs being $250,000 and above. So let's talk about category one, safety. And so there were two priorities that rose to the top in safety. One was a community ambassador program. And this was a little bit of a surprise to us because um, we, were, we were, I guess, assumed that when we did this, most of it would be around sort of concrete transportation um, options. But folks were really um, interested in having a community ambassador program that had uh, multiple, multiple components that dealt with transportation or around transportation. For example, uh, the community ambassador program has a safety component, right? And so that is, um, if are people feeling safe at bus stops, or is there a light out at the bus stop, or is there glass broken at the bus shelter? Um, how can how can those things be reported? And so we wanted to. Um, incorporate that into the ambassador program. Also to have transportation ambassadors, people placed at specific transportation hubs that could give visitors and residents information on you know, what options are out there because as we know, most of the transportation options are gonna be new, right, outside of what's already existing, which are cars and, and, and the Muni. And so you can see for the community ambassador program, it's a one to two year implementation timeline and you can see the cost estimate, there's two dollar signs. We're really pleased to report that we've already begun to roll out the Community Ambassador Program with a welcome packet. We have designed a welcome packet um, that we are piloting with the Maceo May uh, folks um, on the island. And the idea is that we've given all of them the packet. We will come to a community meeting and do an orientation um, on the packet. And we will do that moving forward maybe four times a year for new residents that come um, to the island to orient them. And transportation will be a, a major part of that. 
The second priority was to improve the bus shelters on the island um, for personal safety and traffic safety and around bus stops, um, including improvements to lighting, seating, maintenance, and accessibility. And you can see that that is a three to four year timeline and the cost estimate is $2 signs for that. So under safety, there were two other categories that rose up that supported some of the priorities. One was travel trainings. Again, because the island is developing and there's going to be lots of new modes of transportation, how can we educate um, residents and workers and visitors on what transportation to use to get there? For example, can you get around the island with this the free shuttle? Or, or do you take the bus? Or where's the best stop to get off to get to the ferry, et cetera? And so, um, we want to host travel trainings with community members to help them feel safer and more comfortable when riding various transportation options and also to get feedback in real time about how those transportation options are working. You can see the implementation timeline is one to two years and the cost estimate is one to two uh, dollar signs. And then another um, a thing that rose to the top was alert systems. And this was to implement an alert system, either a text or a call button system that would allow residents and workers to report when they feel unsafe uh, at or near a transportation. This is a three to four year timeline implementation and you can see the cost estimate there. I think I should have brought some water. Uh, okay, uh, so moving on to our category two, which is improved transportation options. You can see that there are two priorities there uh, that rose to the top. There are actually four, but we're gonna talk about these two. So microtransit, which was to pilot a microtransit service that provides service between Treasure Island and San Francisco. The service should be coordinated with TIMA because Tim is planning to provide an on-island shuttle as well. And so wouldn't it be great to have an on-island shuttle, say that three times, that connects to a, a shuttle that goes over into San Francisco and to various locations. Um, the expand muni, muni services, I talked about this already. Folks want muni to go to more than just the Transbay Terminal. Folks have talked about uh, medical facilities, uh, General Hospital, Kaiser, shopping centers, Safeway, Foods Co., et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can see that that's a three to four year uh, timeline implementation and the cost estimate to that is $3 signs. Again, uh, priorities that rose to support these priorities uh, were a community car share pilot, and this was to pilot an affordable community-based car share program on Treasure Island for residents to use to get to destinations that don't go to, you know, where public transportation doesn't go. Um, so it might be that specialist that you have to see for a doctor that's not at, a, you know, a medical facility but might be out somewhere, offices, et cetera. Um, cost um, implications or estimate uh, is two to three dollar signs in three to four years. And then again, along with that was a volunteer driver program. And this was to pilot a volunteer driver program where volunteers drive either for an organization that owns a vehicle or their own vehicle to transport neighbors to work, medical appointments, and other trips. And so that is a one to two year timeline and two uh, dollar sign cost estimate. So, to move on to some other um, um, items that rose to the top was a mobility hub. So to create a hub, 
for seamless transfers between public transportation, bike, car share, scooters, and other uh, mobility amenities on Treasure Island. Um, there were some ideas about maybe having um, a makeshift one until we have larger options at the ferry terminal, if there's gonna be a building built out there, maybe have a stand where an ambassador could stand out there and give people information once they're coming onto the island on, on transportation. And then expanding existing shuttle uh, programs. One of the things that we found out and that the work group found out is that there are existing shuttles that cater to specific populations on the island. For example, the Van Gogh shuttle will take seniors and those with uh, mobility issues to cultural events and the theater and things of that nature. And then there's the shop around shuttle. And so how do we, um, work with these shuttles that are existing to expand their capacity. And so maybe it's not only for seniors, but maybe it's for low-income families or for other populations to be able to have access to these shuttles so they're utilized more frequently um, from Treasure Island. And then there was a Treasure Island-based taxi service, which you can see that's seven to eight years down the line. But this was to establish a private-based taxi service that is incentivized to serve uh, Treasure Island specifically. And then lastly in this category was to partner with transit network companies, um, you know, some that we have in the city that are not named, Lyft, Uber, uh, but to be able to have them um, provide discounted rides between Treasure Island and San Francisco, or to have them have drivers that are stationed on the island. One of the things that we uh, heard from the survey and from the work group, that it takes a resident an average of three times in calling Lyft or Uber before they come out to the island. They cancel rides often. And so is there a way that we can partner with them to have folks who live on the island be stationed there so they're not worried about having to fight the bridge traffic to get to the island to pick up their ride? All right, almost done here. So category three was uh, communications. And so that was about marketing and communications. And it was really looking at improving marketing and communications about existing transportation services and programs and upcoming new transportation services and programs. Marketing could include tabling, website updates, social media campaigns, transit ads, and more. That's something we feel like we can do in one to two years with $1 sign cost. And then last but not least, our fourth category was affordability. And that was to develop a universal basic mobility program. And it was to pilot a universal basic mobility program for Treasure Island residents. The program would distribute a monthly stipend, most likely loaded on a clipper card, to eligible residents. Um, and that would be you know, low-income residents um, and then low-income nonprofit workers as well. It could be loaded on a clipper card. It could be loaded on a fast track tag. And they would have so many you know, um, trips on and off the island. Um, and then the cost uh, estimate for that is two to three dollar signs and five to six years down the line. So you can see it was a pretty comprehensive uh, plan that we were able to create with the input of the community and the work group. And so now I wanna talk a little bit, oops, I'm still there. Well, I have one more page, but it's okay, Kate. I can just read from it. No, okay, <laughs> so next steps. So what are we gonna do next? So now we, it's time to present. So we are presenting to the TIDA board. We will be presenting to the Citizens Advisory Board and then we will be presenting to TIMA sometime late June and July. Hoping that TIMA will adopt some of these recommendations and then our next steps will to move forward to try to find 
funding for, for some of these um, transportation options. So for identifying and tracking funding, Timma will be the lead and One Treasure Island will support. For developing the funding applications, One Treasure Island will be the lead and uh, SFCTA and Timma will support. And then facilitating ongoing community engagement, right? So when we get to the shuttle, where will the stops be? What will the shuttle design be? We need all that information from the community. One Treasure Island will lead that and Timma will support. Um, in the near term, we're focusing on implementing as needed uh, and working with partners to implement the top priorities, uh, which again are community ambassador program, the micro, shuttle, micro transit shuttle, expanding muni services, bus shelter improvements, and marketing and communication. And that ends my report. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, that's a comprehensive uh, report of a comprehensive plan. Thank so you. And we glad. have the full report. Um, yes. It's 87 pages. If you want to read it, we'll be more than happy to share it. As well. I, if, if you could, I think that there are uh, board members who would be interested, yes. and maybe through Kate, you can get that to us. But very, very um, interesting survey and plan and report. And so hopefully we will be able to get some action items funded. Okay, so I am going to open it up to the board, Mr. Dunlop. Thank you, um, Madam Chair. Uh, oh. um, yeah, I just wanted to say, wow, that is so great <laughs> and very exciting and like start yesterday. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, whatever support you need from this particular board member, I'll be there. I live on the island and I've seen, you know, some of the issues and problems with uh, transportation. So I think it would be, it just sounds like an awesome plan. Thank you so much. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much, Ornella. That was an excellent uh, presentation as the chair of the Infrastructure Transportation Committee definitely looking at that. And the vision is that as we roll out the development which are going to span, you know, decades and, you know, tighter, that's why we focus on the infrastructure first. And that's why we're doing that. And the vision was the people that live there, you know, the services and every, we take the leadership at some point in helping to inform, rebuild, their environment because they live there and we, we have to do that too. That's what we do on the mainland. So this is really great. And we can need the help and the support as well because you know we have a ferry. We have a ferry service. Everything you are doing here, it's also, it only takes 10 minutes from Treasure Island to the, you know, to the Port of San Francisco for the main entrance. And we wanted to, that to be utilized. Well, of course, you know, we've been fighting and we've been debating and cajoling as to even how that's going to be funding, uh, okay? All transportation at some point. Funding is very essential into doing that, and that's why we prioritize that. And we will want the, you all to be also be the spokesperson here because you are a beneficiary of any kind of transportation, whether we expand Muni, uh, we have, again, whether now we have a ferry, and we also envision even how many people can be able to bike. East Bay and West Bay, those are going to take substantial amount of money in there. So, yeah, and I'm sure you'll be talking about 
how are you going to get the funding and, um, you know, for the agencies, you know, you're working with Timur, but when we need you to help us to also advocate to, you know, proper, because that ferry is basically a number one of everything we are doing here before we can even go into anything. So it is going to be a livable community and very exciting about that. And I just wanted to commend um, your efforts in getting the community together so they can come together and they can, you know, know how best things are going to be for them. So keep us please posted on the ITC committee. I would like to invite you also, uh, you know, so you can also, you know, give presentation and keep us updated. Thank you. Ms. Besson. Um, I have a couple of, that was a comprehensive report. I hope you get some water soon. Um, <laughs> I have a question. Will the shuttle be available to Emeryville? Um, I don't know if anyone else has heard, well, I've been hearing that Nordstrom's and the mall and all those stores are closing down. So the next closest one I know for Islanders is Emeryville, that shopping area. So we haven't gotten into that much detail yet. So we, you know, we know we want an on-island shuttle, and we know we want a shuttle that goes to the city. There's also plans for AC Transit to come from the East Bay to the island, and then there's also there's a, a Bay Ferry that will go to multiple locations in the Bay, and Treasure Island will be one of them. So I anticipate that there will be multiple ways that folks can get to the East Bay, but we don't have any of that. Well, I yeah. ask in particular because Emeryville has a shuttle, the Emory go round, right. and I wonder if it could be—I don't know—maybe a summer collaboration that it's maybe we can try out. Um, as far as I like the uh, community ambassador program, I know I've, I've, we've talked about that before. As far as the youth who catch after school, will they have a presence in the after school aspect of the island? It used to be a time where. Um, the staff would meet at the bus stop and walk the ones who weren't on the school bus. Is that a possibility? We are definitely planning to have a youth component of the ambassador program. And, and so youth will, we're hoping that youth will be involved in every component of the ambassador program, okay. right? Like, so community outreach and safety and transportation and all of that. Yeah. You know me, that was coming. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and um, will there be any incentives towards parking? Like for the for those who um, you know parking passes, paying for parking, and with the coming development, for those who utilize the public transportation. I have a big household. Some of us are definitely going to continue to use public. Will that count towards the parking pass or? parking fees perhaps for the residents who use it you know i don't think i can answer that question that wasn't part of our purview we just worked on supplemental transportation options so okay i would defer yeah okay all right thank, thank you. you thank you thank you um mr beck did you have some comments yeah well i just again wanted to thank one treasure island for for initiating this 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 work and and for the information uh as as nella mentioned um, the TIMA has been uh, uh, grappling with the toll policy um, and that has kind of frozen conversation at a single level. You know, and this, this work allows us to look deeper at, at what are kind of some the other additional underlying needs. You know, the, the, the toll is meant to supplement or subsidize the ferry service to the island, the AC transit service to the East Bay. but. What additional programs can we do, uh, can we implement to help 
address you address uh, you know kind of the the uh, disparate impacts of, of living on an island and and uh, and so forth and you know the other thing about it is is uh, as, as Nella highlighted um, by identifying uh, some of these key uh, uh, priorities um, when other grant opportunities uh, come come up we, we we have the ability to grow the pie beyond just toll revenues um, to, to seek specific funding for some of these initiatives. So um, it's, it, it's, uh, it really helps round out the picture of what uh, the future for transportation services could look like. And now it's, it's our challenge to try and, and, and bring some of these to, to reality. Yeah, so. no, wonderful plan. And actually, um, they are state and federal foundation programs, um, and I think this is a way forward. So thank you very much for your work on this. All right, so we will hear from members of the public on this item. We do have one caller. Okay, go ahead. I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, so we will go on to the next item, and I note the time, so we will keep the um, presentations brief and the comments brief as well. But this is an important item, and so I do want to make sure that we get a full report. Item number nine, a parks governance evaluation. Uh, thank you, directors. And, and this is kind of a follow-up on uh, my presentation from last month, and also is, is a uh, you know, an, an update on an ongoing process. So we will we will talk about it today, but um, we will be coming back to this topic again in the future. So if we if we don't get to all of uh, the conversation folks may want to have today, uh, we we will in future uh, opportunities. So uh, I mentioned last uh, month that there had been work in 2008, 2010 during the entitlement period uh, by both Tida. Uh, staff to to evaluate you know the future management uh, governance and operation of, of the parks programs on the island um, that included workshops with uh, the developer and, and regional parks uh, and stakeholders including the uh, representatives from the California State Park System uh, the GGNRA and the Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy um, reviews of, of other studies and literature, and also interviews with similarly situated uh, uh, programs and, and models across the country. Um, and they went into that, that process asking the question, does conservancy make sense for Treasure Island? What should the roles and responsibilities of a conservancy be? And, and what should their uh, fundraising goals uh, or responsibilities be? The, the agencies that were interviewed, it included, uh, as I mentioned, Golden Gate National Parks, but also uh, several parks uh, in New York, Battery Park, Central Park, Hudson River Park, and Prospect Park, as well as Millennium Park in Chicago, the Great Park in Orange County, and the Louisville uh, Waterfront Development Corporation. And uh, the questions from those phone interviews um, in I won't read them all out here, uh, but you have have them there. Uh, really trying to, to gain uh, knowledge from from the 
individual experiences of, of those uh, organizations and systems. Um, in looking at uh, a conservancy, um, the, the team identified certain guiding principles uh, that, that a conservancy would, would aspire to, including establishing a culture of uh, stewardship, advocating for excellence in design, construction, and operations of the parks, forging uh, partnerships and developing a diversity of, of programming and events, um, promoting the, the awareness of Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island as a regional red destination, and building and sustaining strong financial support for, for the park's operations. Um, and uh, the, the kind of roles kind of flowed from that, um, championing a vision and communicating uh, an identity for the, for the parks, for the islands. Um, building a constituency base, leading fund, funding, fundraising efforts, um, and establishing funding base for, for the future, um, securing key partnerships, uh, providing uh, oversight of, of design uh, review and construction activities. Again, we're, we're uh, establishing a permanent system here, so we're, we're building them out, but, but uh, we have built-in plans to uh, you know, we will need to, to reinvent these parks uh, as we go forward, uh, particularly as part of our sea level rise adaptation program, and the Conservancy can play a key role in that process. Um, so um, in terms of, of uh, options that were looked at uh, by the teams, kind of the, the, the public agency model where, where TIDA would be uh, the only entity uh, that that was uh, responsible for the island, um, public agency partnerships between TIDA and other city uh, or state agencies, um, kind of the public-private partnership model. Uh, they looked at both kind of a 50-50 partnership, uh, public-private partnership, and a and a what they called a 90-10 public-private partnership. But they. They really uh, honed in on the idea of, of the 50-50 public-private partnership. And they identified, the, the, this table was actually taken from a, a, an assessment that was done by the state parks uh, of, of these options um, on, on, a, on the Los Angeles State Historic Park. Um, but I think the team found that they, they held true also for what um, they were looking at here. And so then um, went through and, and kind of identified uh, how the mission of TIDA in this partnership uh, would contrast with the, the mission of the Conservancy. Um, uh, identified some key roles uh, for, for TIDA and the Conservancy. Um, uh, and then, and then also uh, identified uh, key staff uh, areas, uh, areas of staffing and, and key um, positions uh, relative to the TIDA and, and, the, and a conservancy in this 50-50 in this, uh, public-private partnership model. Um, and then in terms of, uh, you know, funding, um, you know, 
Taita will have the um, the special assessment uh, financing that will come to uh, Treasure Taita through the Community Facilities District uh, for the not only for uh, to establish a capital reserve for sea level rise and other uh, eligible improvements to the parks system, but also to, to fund the ongoing operations and maintenance of the parks. Um, we, we will all have, so have uh, income from the leasing of, of the buildings that are under Tida's ownership and control, um, but uh, other potential public funding sources, uh, grants, uh, appropriations, and so forth. Uh, and the conservancy, um, you know, would have the ability to uh, do fundraising, uh, seek charitable endowments, um, and corporate giving uh, to help offset uh, costs as well. Um, kind of where this this off process uh, wrapped up in 2010, um, what is to have a, a preliminary recommendation to form uh, a Treasure Island, Yerba Buena Island Parks Conservancy and laid out a, a strategic uh, a roadmap for, for that implementation um, to define the purpose and need, um, set up a, a, a schedule um, and identifying, uh, cementing kind of these key roles and responsibilities. Uh, and and do further financial analysis. Um, so w w our proposed next steps uh, now are, are to form a core team. Uh, as I mentioned, we've uh, list enlisted additional support from uh, Peter Brastow with, with SF Environment to help us manage and coordinate this planning effort. Um, we're also gonna lead upon uh, develop staff from TICD and from their consultant team, particularly uh, CMG, that has such deep roots in the planning for these parks, uh, as well as uh, experience working with Chrissy Fields and other regional parks systems. Um, do a, a deeper review of, of the work that was done in 2010, 2008, and 2010. Uh, reconnect with, with regional parks and stakeholders um, update interviews with, with similarly situated programs and, and supplement them with additional agencies and facilities that, that have come to the forefront since then, including um, Brooklyn Bridge Parks, which, which Chair Sen and I visited uh, in, in New York, as well as the Toronto Waterfront Project, uh, the Rose Kennedy Greenway in Boston, uh, and, and other um, uh, emergent programs and facilities, as well as you know, additional studies and literature on the topic that have come up over the last uh, decade. And then uh, meet with the Yerba Buena Gardens Conservancy that was recently formed, uh, review with them the, their formation process, uh, their driving considerations and that, that led to their formation of the conservancy and lessons learned that, that they have derived uh, now that they've been in operation for a couple of years. Um, and then move forward with implementing that strategic planning roadmap um, and you know, again, coming back to these key questions. Is a, is a conservancy 
appropriate and necessary for the management of Treasure Islands, parks, and open spaces? Um, what should their co central co uh, roles and responsibilities be? And when would be the right time to form the conservancy? And then working from those to draft a work plan for the, the next year, uh, two to five years, five to ten years, and then uh, beyond ten years into the full build-out of, of the program. Um, with this, uh, I mentioned uh, the idea of, of kind of reconvening some of those stakeholders uh, tentatively, uh, Obviously, want to discuss with the board, uh, and uh, but thinking that that trying to target early fall would be would be a good time to uh, do that when we could um, perhaps get an RFP out, but also uh, not be juggling uh, potential holiday or travel schedules during the summer. But uh, September, October, before things get hectic for the holiday season, seems like it would be a good time to try and call on people to to help us in this evaluation. Thank you. Um, let's see, I'm going to open it up to the directors, but let me just first say um, we've been waiting for this for some time. And, um, and I'm, so I'm glad that actually it's very comprehensive and I did not realize because I was not there at the time that there had been already substantial conversations in 2008 and 2010, which shows how things can be forgotten and waylaid, but now the parks are almost here. We are accepting the parks at the end of this year and the beginning of next year, and so the urgency is much, much more than it was in 2008. Th this is reality now, and so very soon we will have the responsibility, whether it's TIDA, whether it's a conservancy, the responsibility of the stewardship of these parks, and it is so important because the public realm is the most important aspect of Treasure Island that we're getting. It's the affordable housing, and then it's the public realm. It's the public parks and open space that are being created for everybody. The residents of the island, as well as the citizens, residents of San Francisco, the region, and you know far beyond. So we have to do it well. Um, and, and I'm really glad to see this because it shows um, that there has been some thinking about this. We just need to now very diligently um, move it forward. And I would like to see a very clear roadmap before the end of this year. I, and if the conservancy is the way to go, um, and it seems like the previous group in 2008 and 2010 actually had a preliminary recommendation to form a conservancy that was already recommended. I think it's now for us the time to really delve into that and and make sure that that is established if that's the direction that we want to go. Um, there are um, examples, you know, certainly all around the country of different conservancies, and there are examples here in San Francisco. Um, and I, I would suggest, too, that we can visit some of these um, places or to have them come and present before us. Um, very good example is the Tunner Tops, which was just finished, and that was with the um, Golden Gate National Recreation Year, the National Park Service, the trust that is um, for um, 
the, the Presidio Trust. So that's an example of a nonprofit together with you know, public agencies. Um, and they raised over $115 million to build that Ton of Tops project with wonderful programs. And so I think that they are very willing to give us a tour um, or come here to present, but I think there will be very helpful conversations that we can have with them. Um, certainly, um, yes, Yoba Buena Gardens, you know, that conservancy was, was um, that nonprofit was established late. Actually, it's been only the last few years. It wasn't established at the beginning. The beginning, it was a private entity that managed the parks. And I think that that there has been some issues about that transition. So we need to learn about that. Um, but um, then there also is the Gardens of Golden Gate Park, which mm -hmm. is a botanical gardens, a Japanese tea garden, and the conservatory, where there is a nonprofit that has just been established to, um, to, to basically partner with the city's Department of Rec and Park, but the nonprofit have very, has very specific roles, and it can actually raise private funding, which the city cannot. So there's some um, advantages to having a conservancy and nonprofit also be involved. Um, my question is, how do we move this forward quickly? Uh, I would like to see that we implement something, you know, before the end of the year. And what is, you know, how how do we do that? And that's a question that I'm going to um, ask staff uh, to direct us on. But first, let me. Um, open it up to the board and then we'll have public comment. Um, Ms. Howard. <coughs> yeah, thanks for this, Bob. Um, I have a, I agree with you completely, Faye. This is really urgent. I mean, this, I, yeah, I, I, we can't, I can't stress that enough. I mean, it just seems like these parks are coming on board. We need to have a governance structure. We need to have a plan. And while, I mean, last meeting we talked about, there was a report from 2008, 2010, and we were gonna get that report with that preliminary recommendation of the conservancy, and I guess um, you're still looking for that. Maybe maybe you'll be able to provide that next time because we have a bunch of questions here in this um, packet that the questions that were directed for that report, and I'd really love to see the answers to that, and the recommendation being that um, the conservancy would be formed. And, and while I appreciate these this governance structure that came from the Los Angeles, I wonder if there's anything in the report that looked at that governance structure as well. So I'd just like to see a little bit more background. I think it's um, really important, and, and especially that in the next steps, we're still asking that same question. Is, is a conservancy necessary and appropriate for Treasure Island Parks? If we have already answered that question, we need to just now move forward with developing that conservancy and a plan and, and moving it forward. And I, I agree with Faye that maybe these new um, conservancies that have come on board in the city, we should really have the opportunity to, or staff should, um, and we'd love to hear from them too. Like, what does that look like? Um, so yeah, basically, I'm just rambling, but <laughs> I cannot stress enough how important this is. and. Um, Really hope we continue to have this as an agenda item each month um, to really see the progress on this. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Mrs. Dunlop. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, 
I am. Um, yeah, that, this is, it's very exciting and very scary. Um, we definitely need a lot of direction from staff. You know, this monthly meeting commission, um, although, you know, we have some subcommittees, we, we really, staff needs to take the lead on this, like, quickly and uh, get us moving. But you know, we also definitely need to incorporate the people who live on the island. Um, they need to feel part of this. In you know, you can quickly see parks where people don't care or don't feel like this is their park. And they deteriorate and there's trash and there's graffiti and there's um, damage. And much like in some of the, the bus stops on the island right now, people have trashed them and they look really inappropriate that's you know for the earlier discussion uh, you know but part of it I think is pride I love living on the island I love the future of the island but it only works if we can bring the whole community with us and so that's you know what I'm really looking for in, in a way to do that and you know bring out bring out the pride I guess. So thank you so much, though. I, this is, as, as has, has been said, um, it's urgent. So we, we want to do this right. We, we cannot do it wrong. Thank you. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Bob, for bringing this out. And I am totally in agreement with uh, Commissioners Howard and Patient, because all along, if you've listened to me long enough, because... We've had the opportunity to actually travel out of San Francisco to look at the best. We went to the East Coast. Thank you to Commissioner Patient. I mean, signature worldwide renowned parks and open spaces. And in our region, in San Francisco, Bay Area, it's also blessed with the. So the concern, and I'm going to try to answer the question here about is conservancy going to be. The, Absolutely, is the option is the best. There's no other way that I'm looking at. And some of the cons that were put here, are subject to shifts in the economy, that's a generic, regardless of what options you are going to a public uh, agency or public-private partnership. You know, the shifts in the economy affects everybody, and private control. No. The conservancy, the best, that are best run, had guidelines and the expectations, and the one that we saw actually have high public, you know, expectations because when people visit those parks, they know if they are well-maintained. That's how the public react. They know that this is signature. All the ones that we have are open to the public, all of them, and they have iconic, state-of-the-art, and the maintenance there, you know, the ones we saw, whether in New York and here, so it's part of, of the plan. Um, so limited access to public agency will not happen with the one that tighter. It's, again, for the conservancy that we are putting together. And private control, no, it's a conservancy. Okay, you look at the uh, Presidio Trust, whatever. I mean, those look at what they are doing over 10, 20 years. Now they're, they're looking at the infrastructure they're doing that, so we know conservancy of you know work and diminished perception. No, when I go to the Presidio, when I go to some of these public parks, and now we have the Yaba Buena you know garden, 
absolutely the public welcome such things. What we do not want to have is during the dissolution, San Francisco almost, we created all these parks and then the development agency were dissolved and people were panicking because that plan was now in place. And so we're going to have a, cons a conservancy here is the way to go and that's the way we go. And I do agree that we need to start. So every month and the ideas we have to formulate is just to get this off the ground and then we can keep picking back on that. And so that's the uh, question that when it comes to, again, I want to make my intentions you know, known ahead of this here is that the conservancy is the way to go and is the way to go you know, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Um, Ms. Reston. Um, I was always under the impression that we were going <laughs> with the conservatives. <laughs> so that's me. Um, growing up in San Francisco, I grew up next door to McLaren Park. Like that was, I felt like that was our personal park. So it's something that, you know, is automatic, you know, and I think about the botanical gardens. I love them. And what like faces, how do we steamroll this? How do we get this going? Also, in reaching out and seeing what others are doing, have have we reached out to Alcatraz? Uh, because they have a conservative well, seat also. Alcatraz is actually under the National Park Service. Yeah. It's a federal With, agency. Okay. Yeah. So it's how different. does that translate? But, is but I, I, I would say that um, this list of parks that was interviewed in the in the first, I think it's the first um, uh, analysis that was done in 2009, Brooklyn Bridge Park was created after 2009. And it is the park which is most similar to us in terms of being on the waterfront, in, in terms of serving a public in diverse ways. Um, I, I think that that park is something that could be um, instructive for us. So we should look at what they are doing. Okay. I asked about Alcatraz because I think one of my greatest disappointments when it comes to the island are the rose bushes that were um, original here. I am so, I'm an avid gardener. I love the original roses and flowers and that's what made me bring up Alcatraz is because there's so many indigenous plants on the, out there that are similar. You know, we have similar conditions. So I was curious about that and how would that work out and is that was something that we should visit as far as how theirs work. And um, I'm excited about the parks coming on. I'm excited about how we, it's going to look. Yeah, we are all excited. I think so. And I think. Make sure we steward it. Along the lines of what Mark is saying, there are many residents who are extremely excited about the gardening aspect of the island. It's one of the best places to be. So, yeah, I would really want to see, you know, the, uh, the community's feedback. Okay, so um, I'll open it up to members of the public. Would you? <laughs> There's one member of the public who is here, <laughs> and you'll mention. Hey, you all. Uh, Peter Brasto uh, from Environment. So uh, thanks for um, mentioning. Yeah, we're going to be working together on this a little bit, and I've uh, been working with you all for quite a while. And it's um, yeah. So I appreciate the opportunity to continue that work. Um, 
thought I'd just say, make a clarification since you asked about Alcatraz. Um, so Alcatraz, Land's End, the Presidio, Fort Funston, Ocean Beach, Fort. right? All these places are part of the GGNRA. Mm -hmm. And so they're all subject to the partnership between the, the T National Park Service and the Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy. Okay. So Alcatraz would be part of that you know, family of um, sites that's in the GGNRA. Um, one interesting note about Alcatraz specifically is that in a way it was kind of the, the cash cow for the Parks Conservancy, right? For many years and then during the pandemic, Right, and so that actually had a really severe impact on the budget of the Parks Conservancy. So, in terms of that question of, you know, changes in the economy and all that, I mean, that that, that did have a severe impact on on the Conservancy in that particular case. So, it's something you know, it, it would be a good um, case study to talk to them about that specifically. I think, um, and certainly in general, they're they're a key key example of a Conservancy, um, really probably the leader, you know, locally. Uh, for us, so. So um, I think a question to Peter and to Bob is what is the next step? How do we get this moving? Um, well, I, th I think uh, we're going to get together and, and make an actual work plan for the next, you know, you mentioned a goal of, of uh, a decision by the end of the year. Um, I think we, we need to put together a schedule and a work plan relative to that. We do, I do also want to take the, the experience of the formation of the Yerba Buena Garden Conservancy. I have some notes from having spoken to uh, Ken Bukowski, who was with the city administrator's office, who was helped in that, that, that formation and, in how, and now has gone to uh, the gardens. But, um, you know, about what was the timing for, for you know, uh, evaluation through through board of supervisors actions, you know, so that we have that as a as a time frame, and then put that you know into our work plan as well. So, we'll 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 uh, would like to come back with uh, uh, you know a, a schedule and work plan for how to get from here to there. And so will we have a report next month on it or will it be at um, the ITT or the I, I think, Sustainability I think Committee? Maybe the committee next month. Mm -hmm. um, next month will be on the yeah. island board meeting and this seems like right. a, a, a meteor one that we may want to have at the committee. Okay. okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you, um, Peter. Thank, thank you. you. So let's see, there were no other questions from the public? No. no. Okay, good. Excellent. Where are we? Are we ready to adjourn? We're ready to adjourn and welcome uh, <laughs> Commissioner T. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, yeah. we, hey, we, we do have one. The future agenda items? Oh, yeah, there is excuse one. Me, last excuse item. me. Future item number 10, discussion of future agenda items by directors. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a few of them. All right. So Ms. my first, I have, I think it's four. I mean, one is just to ensure that we do have a parks kind of update each month at each meeting that would be really nice agendize that we want to go back to a couple months ago and last month as well the the puc just confirming that they will be on the agenda for the on-island meeting um that seems really important i'm i'm making that i've made that request and we're okay. trying to make that happen um yeah perfect okay my third one is i'm wondering given the last couple of meetings as well as, uh, as uh, on the housing and if, if it's possible to have TI advisors um, 
as a regular agenda item, just providing an update of where they are with outreach. Um, really important, I mean, these things are coming online quickly. Um, I think it's really urgent for, for residents to understand their eligibility, their options, all of that. So I'd love to have that opportunity to, to hear from TI advisors on what, where they are. And my final one is from the, um, the, the SBE, um, just to request that, um, that the transparency I think is really important and um, I'd love to see that list of contracts and what was awarded by category of SBE, um, micro or um, other categories. I think that's really important and the dollar amounts. I, I felt I, I w it was nice to see um, the group here today and last time and I just think that this is um, honoring and respecting and transparency is what this should be all about. So the transparency, I also the interested in that idea of a SBE liaison, if that's possible. And then just to revisit that idea of can we um, think about setting goals for um, LBEs and micro LBEs moving forward. And so I wasn't clear if that's really an agenda item, that, that, third, that fourth bucket that I have here around the SBEs, but it seems like some follow-up um, would be would be nice. That's it. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Ms. Preston? Um, one thing I would like to see on the agenda is following up about the daycare situation. We have a lot of new residents coming out here. Um, over the last month, they did do outreach as far as applications, but they only have four spots available. And I can't believe that that's enough. We have to be prepared. If we have, how many new residents? 8,000? coming our way the yeah, somebody got a family with them and I want to make sure that not only you know we're preparing for the people that are coming but also that we're still going to be able to accommodate the residents who are there the residents whose families are getting bigger you know so I'm, I'm a little concerned about you know where we are with that as far as the staff and you know how we're outreaching and you know funding was kind of going on with that um, with with regards to that, um, who who which is the agency that would be responsible for the child care facilities? So, I Catholic Charities manages our current uh, um, child care facility on the island. Uh, they do get some funding support from DCYF within the city. Um, the we also the. Um, the fourth building that we're going to be developing uh, on, on what's called parcel IC 4.3, it's on the east side commons. Um, we plan to incorporate a new child care facility into that residential development. Uh, so that'll be kind of our, our first step towards, um, you know, incorporating child care into the permanent uh, um, okay. uh, development of the island. But we do have projections from, from past community, community facilities, this uh, assessments of, of what the you know, future capacity will be. And we're gonna need to identify you know, additional locations where we can incorporate that as we, as we continue to build out the island. 
Thank you. All right, so those are future agenda items that have been requested I'm sorry, by the say director. One more. I'm sorry, just, just to uh, kind of chime in where on what Jeanette was saying, I will, I'm sorry, Ms. Howard. <laughs> I would like to see the NBE breakdown, like the participation, how many are coming from Oakland, how many are in San Francisco, the percentage um, of the contract, you know, like what's the percentage and who is going to as far as MBE and LBE. And then pretty, and then also, um, how this translates for the um, construction program in their application process once they graduate. Who do they apply with? You know, a lot of people on the island are not originally from the island, particularly the people who access the services. They come from other places. So it would be good to have that information for those when they leave back out for the non-residents. Yeah, so the, the employment opportunities are going through the One Treasure Island Job Broker Program, mm -hmm. and, and that's true for both people that are coming through the construction training program, but also people that are being referred from from uh, other CBOs around the around the city or from uh, uh, the the um, uh, OEWD so all all of that's being coordinated and channeled through one one treasure island and and if people come through the the construction training program you know that you know they have a permanent relationship with one treasure island so if they get placed and you know, there's a, a slowdown, and they're they're looking for work again, and they can come back to the One Treasure Island Job Broker. Program. Yes, Bob, and um, you know, moving forward, having here, and we have the opportunity to be able to construct something meaningful for that. And so we're going to depart to you to um, you know the discussion. I think we made that you know clear that we would like to come up with something creative that can accommodate those uh, you know moving forward. So yeah, it's great to have all the data, but moving forward now, since all those things already happened, is the opportunities based on the uh, projects that we're gonna have, and we know you can kind of help us to make that. And if we do that, that will be able to help that at least we're moving, because the, the data says that we not only met, but we exceeded, mm -hmm. okay, for the SBs and the LBs. However, they are for these other categories. We just wanna make sure, give it a little bit to people that are in need that, you know, and, and the city had the, you know, Michael LBE just to do that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, so, good. So do we need a motion to adjourn or can we just do adjourn. it? Motion to adjourn. I'm always trying to make these.